The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, Episode 42, April 12th, 1970 through May 25th, 1970. Insecure, very paranoid, very out of work, very useless. I was going crazy. I wouldn't get up in the morning, and when I did get up, I wouldn't shave or bother with anything, and I'd reach for the whiskey and I'd have a whiskey and as soon as I got up and stuff. So that was a path that was not really gonna be a good one. I was going downhill. The only thing to do really was to boycott Apple, to just get out of there, not go to any of the meetings that were such a headache, to get out of there and um, come to Scotland. So we did, we took the kids, we took the dogs, took everything we had. musicals, the newspapers, mm-hmm. and they'd have a bad article about yeah. me, you know, he broke up the Beatles or something, i go, oh my God, no, you know, they'd send me off on another boat. Meanwhile, the same day of the announcement, George Harrison can be found still at Savile Row, away from the reporters downstairs, being interviewed for the BBC One religious program Factor Fantasy, Prayer and Meditation. 
People always say I'm the Beatle who changed the most, but really that's what I see life is about. The point is, unless you're God conscious, then you have to change because because it's a waste of time. Everybody is so limited and so really useless when you think of, about the limitations on yourself. And the whole thing is to change, try and make everything better and better. And that's what the physical world is about. After the interview, he ends the day alone in his Savile Row office watching an early version of The Long and Winding Road, the official history of the Beatles' career. A close friend of George's remarks, George doesn't want to talk about it, the split, you know. He just wants to be left alone. While John, still with Arthur Janoff, is asked about Paul's departure. He says, you can say I said jokingly, he didn't quit, he was fired. Paul leaves his Cavendish Avenue home in London and heads for Scotland. On April 12th, a report in the New Music Express says Paul has formed a new company called McCartney Productions Limited, which has bought the film rights to the cartoon strip Rupert the Bear and is planning to produce and write a musical score for it. On April 17th, Paul releases his first solo LP on Apple. It's called McCartney. The unpleasant conditions surrounding the recording and release of the album, plus an infuriated public, gave the record a poor reception with critics and fans alike. Falling rain. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
falling rain, mama. Each in the falling rain. Each in the falling rain, mama. Each in the falling rain. It was recorded in Paul's house, just around the corner from the Abbey Road Studios, on a Studer four-track. Paul, of course, plays all the instruments on it, and his wife Linda helps on backing vocals. Paul doesn't claim much for the album, yet it contains a few good pieces. Here he plays piano, organ, guitar, bass, and drums. McCartney album, though obviously homemade and thrown together, has its charms. A celebration of family life, down home on the McCartney's farm in Scotland. And downstairs in the studio with a family four-track and one mic set up. I had a four-track machine and I just had it in the living room over in the corner. And um, I got this very simple technique of just plugging in directly right into the back of the machine, which is a really cool way to record, actually. So pure. The sound, there's nothing purer. Every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. Every day I don't want to get up, get out of my you 
applause when his solo first hit the shelves. The audience was accustomed to a slick, super-produced Beatle package, not a one-man job like McCartney. But looking back, it's obvious Paul was on to something. This next piece, Paul wanted on the Abbey Road album. Motorcars, handlebars, bicycles for two, broken hearted Jubilee. Parachutes, army boots, sleeping bags for two, sentimental jazz.
Ringo and John, not only do we see each other, but we see so many musicians and other bands and things like that. Maybe Paul does too, but I just get the impression that he doesn't, that he's so isolated from it. He's out on a limb. The only person he's got to tell him if the song's good or bad is Linda. And so, you know, in the Beatle days, if somebody came with a song that was, you know, had a corny line or that was, you know, the others got a bit embarrassed about, we'd say it. Mm. and recorded that at home and it's sort mm. of in secret. It was all done very secretly. Did mm. you, had you written the songs thinking that they were going to be for a solo album? Some of them were, were Beatles songs that I'd actually tried with the Beatles and maybe hadn't worked out. There was one called Teddy Boy. Mm-hmm. So I tried that out, but nobody had any patience with each other. Whereas had it been in the earlier days, we might have said, no, look, why don't we try it like this? But it was like, oh, I'm fed up with this, you know, so we didn't, we never got around to doing it well. So I thought, right, well, I'll, I'll do it on my own album. This is the story of a boy named Ted If his mother said, Ted be good, he would She told him tales about his soul 
twice as good And he knew he could Cause in his head He said Mama don't worry about Teddy boys Taking good care of you Mama don't worry about Teddy boys Teddy's gonna see you through Found herself a man, Teddy turned and ran far away. Okay. He couldn't stand to see his mother in love with another man he didn't know. Oh no. He found a place where he could settle down, and from time to time, in his head, he said. George Harrison was asked what he thought of the LP. That would be something, and maybe I'm amazed, I think, are great. And everything else, I think, is fair, you know, is quite good. But um, a little disappointing. But I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be disappointed. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, it's best not to expect anything, and then everything's bonus, you know. But I think those two tracks in particular are really very good. And the others don't, I mean, just don't do much for me. Because, uh, I mean, I can hear other people play better drums and guitars and things. And the arrangements of, like, some of these songs, like Teddy Boy and Junk and stuff, you know, with a little bit more arrangement, you know, they could have sounded better.
and Linda McCartney with tracks from their LP released on April the 17th, 1970. The album was released in the U.S. on April 20th. The LP cover was photos Linda had taken. The front cover of the LP shows a bowl of cherries laid out on the wall of their Antigua holiday cottage to feed the birds. The back of the LP had the album title McCartney with a photo of Paul and his daughter Mary tucked into his jacket. There was a manufacturer's stamp on the bottom right of the back cover. It read, Manufactured by Apple Records Inc., an APCO-managed company. APCO meaning Alan Klein Company. It was quickly withdrawn by Paul and reissued without that line. The head of EMI, Sir Lewis Gray, describes Paul's album as absolutely brilliant. While John and Yoko continued their primal session in London with Arthur Janoff, Rolling Stone magazine interviews Lennon about Paul's decision as of late. John is quoted as saying, I'm telling you what's going on. It's John, George, and Ringo as individuals. We're not even communicating with or making plans with Paul. We're just reacting to everything he does. In an attempt to escape the recent developments with Paul and Apple, on Thursday, April 23rd, George and Patty fly to New York to begin work on producing Billy Preston's new album titled Encouraging Words. George worked on orchestration on several songs for Preston, including this Harrison unreleased number. Sunrise doesn't last all morning Doesn't last all day Seems my love is up And left you with no warning It's not always gonna be this way That doesn't last all evening The mind can blow those clouds away After all this my love is up and must be leaving It's not always gonna be this way
daylight is good at arriving at the right time. No, it's not always gonna be this great. Besides working with Billy Preston, George also spent some time checking out Apple's new New York offices located at 1700 Broadway in Manhattan. While at the Apple office, George agrees to an interview with WPLJ radio reporter Howard Smith. Naturally, questions about the Beatles' future and Paul's announcement are asked. Well, I'd certainly, you know, don't want to see the end of the Beatles. And I know um, I'll do anything, you know, whatever... Paul, John, Ringo would like to do, you know, I'll, I'll do it. So, as so long as you can all do your own individual yes. things, uh, you'll have no objection to being a Beatle? No, definitely. no, no. I think, you know, that's just part of our life, you know, is to be Beatles. And uh, I'll play that game, you know, as long as the people want us to. But I'm going to be recording in about three weeks and start an album of my own as Ringo and Paul. This is going to be the George album. I hope to do it with Phil Spector. We are in London? Yeah. Have you written the material already? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had songs for a long time and lots of new songs. I've got about enough songs for three or four albums, actually. Hmm. But if I do one, that'll be good enough for me. George takes a break from the Billy Preston recording sessions in New York and rides downtown along with his wife Patty and Derek Taylor to meet Bob Dylan at his McDougal Street townhouse in Greenwich Village. There they join in an informal jam session which yields in the Dylan-Harrison collaboration efforts of two songs. I spent some days with Bob and uh, I suppose we just got round to picking up guitars and we were just, you know, he was saying, hey, what about those, show me some of them chords, those weird chords. And, and that's how that came about. It's like strange chord really it's called G major seventh and it's got all these major seventh chords so you know and we just kind of turned it into a song so it's really nice
and if not for you. If not for you Babe, I couldn't even find the door Couldn't even see the floor I'd be sad and blue If not for you If not for you Then night would see me right away The day would surely have to break It would not be new If not for you If not for you, my sky would fall Rain would gather too Without your love, I'd be nowhere at all I'd be lost if not for you If not for you The winter would hold no spring Couldn't hear a robin sing I wouldn't have a clue If not for you On the 27th, John's lithographs court case was dismissed and the exhibits returned. On April 29th, following 28 straight days of shouting, screaming, and eating 28 different colors of ice cream, John and Yoko's therapy session with Arthur Janoff at his London offices are concluded. He recommends that the Lennons fly out to Los Angeles and resume their treatment at his Primal Institute clinic in California. So on April 30th... John and Yoko flew to Los Angeles to undergo four months of primal therapy. Back in New York on May 1st, George joins Bob Dylan in a recording session at the Columbia Recording Studios in Manhattan. The session is for Dylan's new LP titled, New Morning. Come here, ladies and your gentlemen, and listen to my song. Sing it to you right, but you might think it's wrong. Just a little glimpse of a star out of town about an East Coast city that you all know well. It's hard times from the country, living down in New York town. Old New York City is a friendly old town From Washington Heights to Harlem on down There's a mighty many people in the middle and all around They'll kick you when you're up and knock you when you're down It's hard times from the country Living down in New York town Well, the weak and the strong and the rich and the poor Gather together, ain't room for no more Crowded up above and crowded down below When someone disappears, you never even know when it's hard times from the country, living down in New York town It's a mighty long ways from the Golden Gate To Rockefeller Plaza and the Empire State Mr. Empire sits up as high as a bird And old Mr. Rockefeller never says a word It's our time From the country, living down in New York town 
Well, it's up in the morning trying to find a job of work Stand in one place till your feet begin to hurt If you got a lot of money, it can make yourself marry If you only got a nickel, it's a Staten Island Ferry That's our time From the country, living down in New York town Mr. Hudson come a-sailing down the stream An old man you missed who had paid for his dream He bought your city on a one-way track If I had my way, I'd send it right back It's hard times From the country, living down in New York's town I'd take all the smog in California And every bit of dust in the Oklahoma plains And the dirt in the caves of the Rocky Mountain mines It's all much cleaner than the New York kind It's hard times in the country Living down in New York town So to all you newsy people that spread news around You listen to my story, listen to my song You can stamp on my name, you can try and get me beat When I leave New York, I'll be standing on my feet It's hard times from the country Living down in New York town The musicians on the session include Bob Dylan and George Harrison on guitar, Charlie Daniels on bass, Russ Kunkel on drums, and Bob Johnston on piano. Bob Johnston also acted as producer. For you, 
On the eve before the release of the Beatles LP, Let It Be, there was a sense of relief. After a long series of delays and arguments, the day was finally arriving. The Let It Be album. It's been held up really because we're trying to put the film out in about 40 different cities throughout the world all at once, rather than sort of put on a premiere in New York and then let the critics say, oh, well, we think it's this, we think it's that. The Let It Be setup was filmed in January 69 as a musical documentary, a live recording of fresh material that would show the Beatles as a performing unit. That didn't come off. The emphasis was on honesty. The original tracks were stark and sounded untouched by the studio. When the Beatles heard the tapes, as first produced by George Martin, they were ready to scrap the project. John was going through the period when he said, well, this is going to be a live album. Therefore, we're going to record it live. Therefore... I don't want to have any, I don't want to overdub my voice. I want it to be natural, I want to be the actual take we do in the studio. I don't want you to edit, George. I don't want any of that production jiggery-pokery. This has got to be an honest album. We've got to be true to ourselves. Okay, John. So we start recording. Well, John, that wasn't really quite good enough. Okay, we'll do it again. So you get to stage when John says, well, how was that, George? Take 63. Was it better than take 27? Or was take 42 better? Or maybe the end of Take 39 was a bit better. It was that kind of situation. Yuck. Once we'd made the album, uh, Klein had got into Lennon and that lot, and they took the tapes away and started overdub work, working with Phil Spector and overdubbing Heavenly Choirs and all sorts of things on it, which I didn't know about and which Paul didn't know about. And um, the result was the mess that it is today. John Lennon. He made something out of it, it wasn't fantastic, but it was, you know, when I heard it, I didn't puke. I thought, oh, you know, I was so relieved after hearing six months of this, like, black cloud hanging over that this was going to go out, you know. Phil Spector has said that all four Beatles heard and endorsed the final mixes of the album, but Paul adamantly denies this. On May 8th, 1970, the Beatles released their last album, the original soundtrack to their movie, Let It Be. By Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. <laughs> Phase one in which Doris gets her oats. Right from the start, the project was in confusion. For the first and only time, the Beatles wanted to record outside the EMI studios. Anything you want Yes, you can celebrate Anything you want Oh I, 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 
There's any place you go Yes, you can penetrate any place you go When the album was released, it had already sold 3,700,000 copies in advance in America alone. It was the largest initial sale in the history of the American record industry. George Harrison. Also, we put on Across the Universe, which was a song on the album for the charity album that came out for Wild Life. And uh, that really got lost. It's been around for about three years now, 
I Me Mine was written and sung by George. George says I Me Mine is the ego problem, the eternal problem.
The next piece on the album was made up on the spot. All four Beatles get writing credit. Here, we get a feeling of what the Beatles originally intended. It's far from their greatest and is easily discarded. Like a rolling stone Like the FBI And the CIA And the BBC The last track on side one was their rendition of the old Liverpool schoolboy song, which is probably still sung in the pubs in Merseyside. It's about a young lady of the night during the boom years when hundreds of sailors invaded the city's gritty environs. The opening song of Side 2 of Let It Be was made up of two half-finished songs joined together. McCartney wrote the section that gave the song its title, while Lennon's contribution was written in 1968 and originally titled Everyone Had a Hard Year. As such, it was the pair's first full and equal collaboration since 1967's Baby You're a Rich Man. Lennon and McCartney worked on the song together at Paul's house on Cavendish Avenue in London. Each part of the song shows the differences in the two men's lives at that point. McCartney's was an optimistic love song written for his girlfriend, Linda Eastman, telling her that she was the girl he had always been looking for, while Lennon's was a litany where every line started with everybody. Lennon wrote about his reality of a hard year. He divorced his wife, Cynthia. His girlfriend, Yoko Ono, had a miscarriage. He was arrested for drug possession. He was ridiculed for falling in love with Yoko, and he had grown deeply unhappy in the Beatles. I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I've got a feeling, a feeling I can't hide, oh no, no, oh no, oh no,
George Harrison had two songs included on the album. Here's the second, a simple 12-bar blues piece with a happy feeling. Paul plays piano, George acoustic guitar, Ringo drums, and John is playing what looks like a homemade Hawaiian steel guitar. George, in jest, compares John's playing to the great American blues guitarist and writer Elmore James. Queen says no is a pot-smoking FBI member.
the best pieces on the record we've heard before as a single release. It's another take of Get Back, recorded on the roof of Apple. It's a nifty little rocker and has the Beatles playing at their best. Paul plays bass and sings lead with a sort of restrained Little Richard style. George plays some lean and effective chords on his Fender Telecaster, and John plays lead guitar. Ringo is playing drums, and Billy Preston fills in some beautiful electric piano licks. Rosetta. Sweet Loretta Fat, she thought she was a cleaner, but she was a frying pan. Thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. 
Though this is not their last recorded work, it certainly lacked the enthusiasm, polish, and production expected of them. George Harrison. It's the complete opposite to the sort of clinical approach that we've normally had. You know, studio recording, everything, the balance, everything's just right, and, you know, the silence in between each track. This is really not like that. In fact, some people may be put off at first hearing. It sounds maybe um, my attitude when we decided to use it as an album was that um, people may think we're not trying, you know, because it's really like a demo record. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's worth so much more than those other records because you, you can actually get to know us a bit more. You know, it's, it's a bit more human than the average studio recording. The Beatles on film and on tape here were not the cohesive musical group they once were. The internal disagreement and low morale permeated the project, and in some ways it was a sad ending. As Alan Smith of the New Musical Express said, if the Beatles' soundtrack album Let It Be is to be their last, then it will stand as a cheapskate epitaph, a cardboard tombstone, a sad and tatty end to a musical fusion which wiped clean and drew again the face of pop music. Paul was never happy with Spectre's additions to the Let It Be recordings, and one track that particularly offended him was this untypical Beatles sound in The Long and Winding Road. The Long and Winding Road That leads to your door Will never disappear I've seen that road before It always leads me here Lead me to
long and winding road came out as a single in America on May the 11th and sold 1,200,000 copies in two days. On May 13th, the Let It Be film is premiered in New York and on May 20th in Britain. The Beatles, rehearsing, recording, rapping, relaxing, philosophizing, creating. The Beatles, live in a new motion picture. Let it be. Let it be. Ten new songs. An intimate experience with the Beatles. A new motion picture. Let it be. George Harrison. The Beatles film is just pure documentary of us slogging and working on and, let it be yeah on the album and really we were thinking of how to do a tv show but we realized it was much easier just to make it into a film you know it was a 60 millimeter film but it was so nice in a way for well it was very informative it's not really nice for me i can't stand seeing it but for other people who don't know what we're really about who like to go in and see our warts then it's very good lenin while in california goes to see the let it be movie as part of his primal therapy session as instructed by arthur janoff he is asked about his reaction to the film i felt sad also felt that that film was set up by paul for paul that's one of the main reasons the beatles ended because uh, I can't speak for George, but I have a pretty damn well know. We got fed up of, of being sidemen for Paul. After Brian died, that's what happened, began to happen to us, you know. And the, the camera work was set up to show Paul and not to show anybody else. And that's how I felt about it. And on top of that, the people had cut it. Cut it as Paul is God and we're just lying around there, you know. And that's what I felt. And I knew there were some shots of Yoko and, and me that had been just chopped out of the film for no other reason than the people were oriented towards Engelbert Humperdinck, you know, and that's, I felt sick. To the other Beatles, it was history. Recorded during the early part of 1969, it was already 18 months out of date when the film had its premiere in London and a hundred major cities round the world. Coming up in a moment... George begins to record with producer Phil Spector. A George album. John's creativity explodes in California. And Ringo flies to Nashville. Reaching for his country roots. Next on Yesterday on Today. Contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search yesterdayandtodaypodcast on Facebook. See you next time.
I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Thank you.